0: You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM-1220 KDOW and
1: iHeart Radio Station. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, ChiefCondusBriefing.com. Dr. Rosen, are we facing the apocalypse with the debt ceiling? What's your, what's your <laughs> feel on this?
2: Um... I don't know if apocalypse is the right word, but it's, you know, if we do go over the debt ceiling, we're going to have, uh, you know, probably some severe market reactions. Uh, It's actually quite unknown, you know, how people are going to respond to, you know, a potential default. I mean, there was talk on... uh, by paul krugman this morning that uh you know if you go over the debt ceiling and you default you may actually see a decline in rates and i thought that was kind of odd but you know he was just talking about that uh it would push people into recession and things would go farther uh down the road but i mean in all in all it's not a good idea to default on the u.s debt it's not a good idea to make you know the world's riskless asset a risky asset
1: with that said, you brought up Paul Krugman. Um, Any time that I bring up or quote him from the New York Times, I get just flack. People either love him or hate him. Is he someone you uh, follow, because he can kind of be negative, or he can kind of be showing you the dark side of economics?
2: Um, there are things about, about Paul that I really enjoy. Um, okay. There are things about him that I don't like at all. Uh, he gets very into political grandstanding, so if you don't follow his political views, he comes off as a as a smug, uh, you know, you know, jack something. <laughs> but gotcha. uh, all in all, his his you know he's a smart guy. His analysis when he uses statistics and uses mathematical models is right on. His idea that. You know we're 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 in a demand crunch, a liquidity crunch, and not a uh, structural problem or a structural uh, with structural unemployment and whatnot is pretty spot on. And his usage of the ISLM model as is a standard bearing on why we're in this crisis, I think, is is absolutely correct as well.
1: Okay, he just said something that I think we need to explain a little more or get your <laughs> your words on it. Um, demand crunch. There's a phrase that. You know, you can't push a string. Is that the problem that you're seeing in the U.S. economy at this point in time? Is that there's just not enough demand?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look at it realistically, I mean, the idea that that there is a slack in the demand side, which is preventing you from from going out of this, is is pretty accurate. And the idea that you have, you know, fiscal constraints that are actually – making things worse because you're reducing demand in that sector is also keeping the economy from moving forward so you know and we're looking at monday and tuesday as things getting potentially worse with a, with a potential government shutdown so you know it would be great if you could have some kind of fiscal uh, stimulus to boost the economy because there there is really no other way to uh, release animal spirits and get and get the uh, demand side rolling again.
1: But we've got monetary stimulus. Who needs fiscal stimulus?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, except we're at the zero bound. And, you know, as much as we want to believe that quantitative easing is, is great and the idea that, uh, you know, the Fed didn't taper because, you know, you need more quantitative easing, I mean, the gist of it is, you know, the San Francisco Fed showed that it added, you know, like a tenth of a percentage point to GDP growth. That's a whole lot of money spent on a whole lot of nothing. And, I mean, to keep quantitative easing going is probably the correct idea, considering where we are in in terms of economic growth. But you can't go any further. You can't push the economy ahead through monetary policy anymore. It's, you know, ability to help the economy is close to zero.
1: Okay. So you're not exactly Making me feel good about the back half of this year.
2: <laughs> I'm not very happy about the back half of the year. You know, I'm concerned about where things are headed. I'm concerned that you know you're going to get a deep next week. You know, possibly seeing eight hundred thousand to a million people out of work, uh, at least temporarily. And there's no guarantee that those people will uh, receive back pay either. Uh, simply because a lot of people think that, well, if you're going to put them out of work, you might as well cut the budget from that, and why pay someone if you're, they're not working? So, I mean, just in that, you're seeing the potential of a big, big weakness. And outside of, you know, that sector, I mean, investments weak, consumption's weak. And where else do you get growth?
1: Housing. <laughs> Housing <laughs> the numbers look good today.
2: Yeah, I mean, they look good on a relative scale. They look good in the fact that you had a big crash in July, so you saw you know a little bit better than expected bump in sales today. Um, I'm not very excited about that. It's still, it's like second lowest of the year. <laughs> So we're not talking you know, great numbers, and we're, we have mortgage rates that are still elevated, and, and they don't seem to be coming down at a pace that I would want them to come down at. So you're not seeing the affordability conditions ease, and you're still seeing some price growth. So it's difficult for, uh, for potential home buyers to come into the market. I mean, we're, we're just getting this, this idea of stagnation is just developing in, in lots of different sectors right now.
1: How about gas prices coming down? Is that going to help our economy? Yeah. Uh, I'm looking for anything today, Dr. Rosen. <laughs> um,
2: I mean, nothing at all is bad. We, we had a pretty good durable goods report this morning. I mean, the, uh, the shipment side of uh, non-defense capital goods went in the right direction, and, and that is factors into GDP because shipments are actual sales as opposed to orders that just come in and then could be produced or not produced. Um, but overall, it's a gloomy picture. I mean, uh, my GDP expectations for the rest of the year are, you know, 1% to 2%. I, I don't see anything moving out of that range. You know, looking at 2014, you know, I, I see a lot of the same. You know, maybe you get to 2%, maybe 22 but realistically, one5 to 22 is probably, you know, the best we're going to get unless we can start seeing some animal spirits give way and, and people – breaking out of this, this funk and, and moving demand forward, which doesn't seem to be happening.
1: I was distraught last week, so I bailed on my interview with you that the Fed <laughs> didn't start to taper. What was your make of the Fed not tapering? Because there seems to be some conspiracy theories about it.
2: Well, my take is the same take that I've said on you know, our, our briefing website, you know, ad nauseum, for the last couple of months. If the Fed truly was data dependent, there was no reason to taper at uh, the September meeting. Absolutely none. I mean, you have unemployment that is, you know, down to 7.3, but a lot of that is because discouraged workers left. It's not all because, you know, of decent job growth. You have inflation running at, you know, between 1.2 and 1.5% year over year, which is well below target. And you have a Fed that's been trying to actually get the inflation levels above target, you know, 2.5%, uh, just because they're trying to spur economic growth today as opposed to having people wait for tomorrow. So, when you have low inflation and it's decelerating and you have high, elevated unemployment, how can you suggest that, you know, the data is pointing towards uh, a, a tightening policy? In, that didn't happen, and I'm glad the Fed kept their, uh, their foot on the pedal and, and you know, are going ahead, even though quantitative easing doesn't you know, necessarily do too much for economic growth.
1: I say something on the air that I want you to challenge or just go with. I believe in the stock market because I ultimately believe in capitalism. Am I off base with that simple statement?
2: No. No, okay. I mean I, I don't know necessarily if the stock market today is overvalued or not. I, I generally don't get involved in that, but you know businesses are doing well because you know they've cut costs and are so lean that they're able to make money. You know I, I don't know how much growth can come out of that, but they're able to just survive on one to two percent GDP gains. You know and they're able to survive fairly well given what you know what corporate profits are. So I, I don't, you know, I, I don't look at it. it corporations and say, you know, we expect them to, to get weaker or worse, or that's not, not a good idea, but I mean, you know, the stock market's been, you know, proven to show that.
1: Anything else that you want to hit while we've got a couple of minutes left in the segment?
2: No, I think that uh, next week is going to be a big week. I think that um, the debate over a government shutdown and the debt ceiling is you know more important than you know all the talk over the last two months on uh, you know is the Fed going to taper or not tapering you know you, you may have seen a you know a slight change in interest rate expectations. Here, this is real economic uh, responses. You will see uh, a big drop in spending because of a you know, a government shutdown. And if it's prolonged, it will make things worse. And if you go over the debt ceiling and you uh, have to default on bonds, it, it, it's a big unknown. I mean, I, it's really hard to say what can happen when the world's risk-free asset all of a sudden becomes uh, a risky asset, and everything's got to be traded off as some kind of default probability, and that worries me. But it's not going to happen, right? I hope not. Gotcha. Uh, I, I've never seen an nft Congress like this. I mean, I, I guess it said the same thing in 2011, and, and things ended up being all right, but... I don't like the idea of just pushing the can down the road, you know, six weeks, three months, whatever they decide to do, and have to go through it all over again, you know, make a decision, do it, and go forward.
1: I was a little distraught yesterday when I saw Ted Cruz read Green Eggs and Ham uh, at Congress as part of a filibuster, and I was just like, that can't be good for the United States economy.
2: Yeah, and I, I actually was looking at that this morning, and I, and I laughed because it seemed like he didn't understand what Green Eggs and Ham was talking about, because he's, he's against Obamacare, and, I, and I'm not you know, for or against the policy per se, but Green Eggs and Ham is about a guy who uh, doesn't want to try Green Eggs and Ham, even though Sam and I am keep saying, try it, you'll like it, and then in the end, once they do try it, he's like, I love this. So if you look at that as a you know an analogy for Obamacare, if people try Obamacare, does that mean they're going to love it? You know, is he preventing people from trying it? I thought that was kind of interesting.
1: I'm surprised you know the story of Green Eggs and so well.
2: Uh, I got little children. Good for you. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. It's
1: Dr. Jeff Rosen, chief economist with Briefing. dot com. Always delivers. You can find him at Briefing. dot com, providing independent live market analysis to the U. S. and international markets. AM 1220. 500 index up, 3 points to 17. At Rob
0: Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.